Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Mo'ali. Today we're going to talk about sexual fetishes. We had this conversation, an interview with one of the greatest therapists in this field, Joe Zorate Sanderlin, in episode 22 about psychology of fetishes. So, If you haven't checked it out, please go back and uh, listen to that episode. Today, we're going to explore this topic from a different perspective. We're not going to necessarily explore it in a traditional meaning of scientific study of sexology and sexual fetishes. The reason is I feel most therapists, psychologists, we get exposed to, to these kind of sexual expressions when people are coming in because there are some challenges. So I thought it would be interesting to invite someone who sees these individuals with different expression in a different setting. I attended this sexology training a few weeks ago, 
And I met this vibrant young woman, very well read, very knowledgeable, who was a phone sex operator. And this was one of those workshops and training that you talk about different experiences. And I was very surprised with her wealth of knowledge. And I said, That's, this would be a great opportunity to have her in our show, to hear her experience of getting exposed to her clients and working in King community. So Sarah is a professional dominatrix and phone sex operator who works primarily with clients in the fetish and kink community. Sarah's goal is to help her clients to find a way to express their sexuality without restrictions or the unpleasant feeling of judgment. She is the founder of Must Love Fetish Podcast, an educational sexuality podcast dedicated to exploring and finding ways to bridge the vanilla and kinky world. With her background in psychology, Sarah is currently working toward her sex coaching certification and eventually doctorate in human sexuality. Here's my conversation with Sarah. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have Sarah join us today. Sarah, welcome to our show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be with you. You know, I was sharing with our listeners about that how we met in a training, and I was uh, very pleasantly surprised about the wealth of the knowledge that you have and the diverse experiences. And I, I felt we got to have this lady on the show. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool to hear that because I think we don't always give ourselves enough credit. And so when people say to me, oh, gosh, you do so many things, I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice. But yeah, so thank you. That's, that's a very kind introduction. Oh, and it's glad, good to have you. And I know you're a fellow podcaster, which definitely I want to talk about it at the end of the show. And so I know you know a lot about fetishes. So tell us a little bit about how did you get interested in this work? It's so fascinating. Um <laughs> So I, this was about three years ago over Thanksgiving. I had just, I had been in America for about a year or so. And I had just like gotten to a point in my life where I wanted to start doing something new, but I didn't know what, because I was like, oh, the world is my oyster. And at the time I had worked as a writer and I had done a bunch of other stuff. So journalism and I was kind of getting tired of it. I was writing sales and marketing blogs and it's like, this is really boring. So what can I do? And we were at Thanksgiving with a bunch of friends and one of them joked and said, you would make an amazing phone sex operator. And I was like, what? That doesn't even exist anymore. And they were like, oh, that's what you think. And so we literally just took our phones and we Googled phone sex and all these sites came up and I was like, oh my gosh, like my mind is blown. I honestly back then thought that what phone sex was, was just, you know, those red London telephone booths. Right, right. And I was shocked when you shared, shared that initially yeah. when we met. I was like, you know, that's not the image I have from the sex phone operators. Right, because you probably thought I was going to show up in like a tight little leopard print dress <laughs> and like high black stilettos, red lipstick and teased hair. Do you know what I mean? Right, you kind of right. think that that's what a phone sex operator should look like. 
But anyway, it was an interesting journey for me because it took me a good year before I actually decided to go through with it. I had researched, I had interviewed with many different companies. Maybe I should just backtrack here. How I actually came about doing this is we were just Googling like celebrities, like interesting jobs that they had done. And Whoopi Goldberg was a phone sex operator. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was like for for many, many years before her career took off, she worked as a phone sex operator. And that to me was so fascinating because she was the first person to break my misconception of phone sex. Because I was like, what, Whoopi Goldberg? But anyway, so it took me a good year to get the courage to actually answer the phone. And I had gone through several interviews with a lot of different companies and pretty simple, like you just have to leave a voicemail. They want to listen to your voice and and then they'll get back to you if they like you. So it's almost like an audition in a way. And there was this one company in particular that I had auditioned for over the phone. And every single time they called me and they said, yes, Sarah, we really want you as an operator. I would go, um... Actually, something else came up. (laughs) I I just couldn't get myself to do it. And this was one weekend. My my partner was actually, he was traveling and I was home alone. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm really bored. Like I have nothing to do this weekend. Let me see if I, if I start a profile and I turn my phone line on, like who's going to call? Like if I don't like it, I can just, you know, never do it again. So it was like at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, I sat and waited for the phone to ring. And I was so nervous. I had like practiced my voice. I said, hi, it's Sarah, like in the sexiest voice I could do. And the phone rang and all of that just went flying out of my head. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Like I jumped up, grabbed the phone and I was like, hello. And then the guy just went, ugh, and he came. And it said, this call lasted. And I was like, no, this is it. This is context. So needless to say, for two weeks, I never, I didn't answer the phone. I just left it. I was like, I'm never doing this again. But something said to me, just try one more phone call. Just one more. So I turned the phone line on again. And lo and behold, this amazing gentleman calls me. He's like 70 years old. He's a medical doctor. And he has a foot fetish, but I know nothing about fetishes because bear in mind, I'm very new to the scene. I've never heard of a foot fetish. Like I knew it existed, didn't know what it was. And I said to him, I was like, this is the moment where I'm going to be honest with myself. And I said, sir, I am so sorry, but I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm just here on the phone with you. And, And he started laughing and he was like, oh, wow, this is refreshing. I've never had this happen to me before. And he's like, how about I teach you? And so he actually became my mentor. So he would call me on like a weekly basis or whatever, and then talk to me about, you know, how to, how to have phone sex with people. This is what you should say. This is what you shouldn't do. I see that you've changed your profile. I like that website. You know, so he basically became my mentor. He was very ill at the time when we started talking. He was very ill with cancer. And so I'm not actually sure if he's still alive. This was two years ago. Um, But he undoubtedly opened a whole new career path for me because now I'm, you know, working towards eventually becoming a doctor in human sexuality. And I never knew that this was my passion. So now I've found that and I, I have him to thank 
partly because of it. Thank you for your honesty and sharing your vulnerability with us. Because I feel uh, there is certain kind of misconceptions when it comes to like phone sex operators, sex workers. And what do you think is like, so I think I was, I was again, very impressed with your insightfulness and the knowledge of psychology and everything. And it's interesting that like having going through this route made you more interested to kind of pursue a, a more like traditional career in the like a psychology of uh, human sexuality. Absolutely. And it was interesting for me because at our training before we started and, and they said, you know, you have to introduce yourself and say what you do for a living. A part of me was going, do I just lie and say that I still write blogs for sales and marketing or is this the time where I need to start being honest with myself? Because I had self-stigmatized what I do to such a point that I am not giving other people enough credit because I realized within this group that we had when we were training, everyone was so open to what I did and they were so interested in it. And I had gone in with the mindset that I was going to be judged. And it's so fascinating how we create our own stigmas for ourselves and how we start, you know, pointing the finger towards ourselves and going, you are a phone sex operator and this is so wrong, you know? And then I was like, actually, no, like for the first time, I feel like I can speak to a, a group of strangers about this and not feel ashamed I, because I've never really felt ashamed about it by myself. Only a select few people know. I mean, I'm not going to post it on Facebook and be like, hey guys, guess what I do for a living? <laughs> You know, uh, so a lot of people don't know that I do this, but I felt very secure in this group and I was able to share 100% and very honestly with you. So thank you for that. So you said you started with kind of that call and it, it, it was it a specialized site for fetishes or it was just like a general line for sex operators? It's actually a general line for phone sex operators and it's also the top one, I believe the top one in the world. It's the oh, wow. one that people use. And it's a great site. What I love about it is they have very strict rules, things that you are and are not allowed to talk about. So that was one of the deciding factors for me. So I work as an independent contractor. So I'm not employed by the site. I just use their platform. But what I love about it is the fact that, you know, there are certain topics that are completely not allowed to be discussed. And that made me feel safe. Because I think a you know, partly the other company that I interviewed for where I kept saying, no, 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 with that phone sex company, you have to talk about everything because in like a fantasy realm, you know, and I just, I couldn't get myself to go there. I, I knew that if I went with a company like that, it would eventually take a toll on my mental health because I didn't want to talk about children in that way. I didn't want to talk about animals in that way. And there are some really sick and twisted fetishes out there. And I just said no. So this site is perfect because they have very, very strict rules and they go completely with what I believe in. But it is a very normal phone sex site. But for the most part, the BDSM community is pretty big on that site. So the most popular calls would be dominatrices would do very well very interesting fetishes, like there's a section for foot fetish. And then you get like the normal vanilla stuff, just like oral sex, sex, you know, stuff like that as well. But I had put just a picture of my legs up on the site. That was it. I didn't think anything of it. 
And I guess I have very long legs and I never show my face, by the way. I keep my identity completely, completely secret. But this picture, for some reason, attracted a lot of submissive men. And I didn't know why. I kept getting these calls saying, Mistress, please will you humiliate me? Mistress, please will you spank me? Can we do CBT? Which is like, in in your term, would be cognitive. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas in the fetish world, it's, can I say it? Yeah, yeah, please go ahead cock and ball torture that's you know (laughs) so I always find it so fascinating whenever I see somebody you know in in public reading like a CBT or I'm like I wonder if that is the psychology one or the fetish one (laughs) but yeah (laughs) right so that's how I got into into having to learn more about BDSM because I really didn't know anything about it and I kept getting these calls and I was like you have to educate yourself Sarah otherwise you're not going to survive but I think that's a big part of being able to explore about anyone's sexuality. What are you comfortable with and what are you not? So it seems like within the comfort of the boundary of that side, you feel comfortable and safe to explore different things and play different rounds. Right. And it's so great that you bring that up because there is an author, Lola Davina. I follow her on Twitter. She actually um, has a book called Staying Safe in sex work or I I'm not quite sure I forgot the title now but I've been reading it and I'll send you a link to it on Twitter I would love that and it's fascinating because it's about how to keep yourself you know safe emotionally physically all sorts of things like that and I think it's very easy for people to judge and think that if you're a sex worker so if you're and that's like porn sex operator, escort, all of those things. You must be really, really sleazy and you wouldn't care about talking about those things. That is so far from the truth. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Many of the women on the site hold master's degrees. Some of them have, you know, doctorates in psychology and human sexuality. And so, so these aren't just sleazy women who are having phone sex because they like to get off with random men. That's not at all what it's about. And I think that it's important for us as sex workers to know our boundaries, because if you don't know your boundaries, you're never going to survive in this industry. You're going to burn out. You're going to be miserable. So those are very important. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Right. I'm so thank you so much for sharing that resource with us. And exactly, you know, if we're not feeling safe, as you mentioned about, like, you know, with our boundaries, the act you're doing, it's going to be burnt out, it's going to be trauma. So it's it's good to, to be mindful of where you are and kind of be kind of exploring within the range of things you're comfortable with. Absolutely. And it's interesting because two years ago when I first started doing this, this October was actually my two-year anniversary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Happy anniversary. Thank you. I should have had a party because it's been the best two years of my life. I kid you not. Like things have changed so much for me. And the other day on Twitter, there was the mental health awareness um, hashtag. and, And I contributed to that by saying, you know, I am so thankful for the opportunity to to work for myself and to say, you know what, I'm so tired right now. I need to take a nap because that's what is going to be better for me. I'm going to be a better phone sex operator. I'm going to be able to better deal with my fetish clients if I'm taking good care of myself. And I think that that's one of the perks of working working for yourself and being your own boss is the fact that you can make those choices. 
Right, right. And it feels like, you know, sometimes people, the image that they have on like phone sex operators or like sex workers are like trafficked women or women that they have to do it to survive. But it's so refreshing to hear your story that like as an independent contractor, as a educated woman, this is a path that you chose for the kind of like creating a business for yourself. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that you say that because a lot of men uh, will sometimes say, when are you going to get a real job? And they would want to save me. So they'll <laughs> say, you should just leave this and move to Kansas City and be with me. And I'm like, um, okay, no. <laughs> and I'll say, why would I do that? I pay taxes. You know, I this is very right. much a real job. I get paid a good salary for doing this and I enjoy it. So you, you often get that in sex work where people try to save you. You've got the 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 knight in shining armor who comes around and says, but you shouldn't be doing this. That's how you found me, though. Do you know what I mean? Right, so, right. So it's, it's really fascinating. But no, not everybody in sex work is doing it against their will. I'm super happy doing what I do. And I feel very safe doing what I do because I work from home and no one knows what I look like. No one knows where I live. You know, so, but these, these, when I say staying safe from an emotional perspective, there's a lot of different things that come in. You can become very attached to callers as well. You can sort of form a bit of a bond. And when you go through a breakup with a caller, it can sometimes feel like a real breakup as well. So there are certain things that you have to put boundaries in place when you feel like something is becoming too comfortable or you have a caller who's maybe calling you for three hours every day. You, you have to sort of step back and go, you know what, the money is not as important as my emotions and my feelings about this right now. So you have to be able to make that, you know, distance yourself from that and say, I've got to think with my head here and not with my heart. Right. Like when there are two people involved, there are going to be emotions. And I think the same for therapy, for any kind of line of work that you work with people. And again, it's just be important to be acknowledge that and also kind of take care of yourself. As you said, you know, if I need to kind of set boundaries around number of time that I talk to the person or number of hours I work and similar to our job as therapists as well, that like, you know, we're not taking on every single client. Because, you know, it's important to be mindful of who are coming to your door and who can you serve. So I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's a great point that you made because I've had to set hours for myself because other because I'm very, very much someone who will give too much of myself. I hold too much space for people and it goes into working hours that are ridiculous. So I'll say, for instance, Okay, I'm just going to be online every day from, say, 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. Because then my partner comes home and I don't, you know, we, I don't do phone sex calls when he's here. So I have those boundaries. But at the same time, when he's not here, I'll be like, oh, I could just go online. And that's sometimes the wrong thing to do because you give too much of yourself. And then you'll have people emailing you at all hours of the morning. And then you start feeling guilty about not replying to those emails. And so it really is very much like having your own business and you have to set those boundaries for sure. So what I do is I actually ask my callers to send me a message before they call. So they, there's an initial contact that they'll say what it is that they're interested in speaking about. So some of them, 
for instance, if someone has a really interesting fetish that I may not know that well, say for instance, a leather fetish, like wearing leather face masks or anything like that, that I don't speak about on a daily basis, I can get an idea for who this person is and then say to him, all right, can you give me an hour so I can go and research this? Interesting. Yes. And then call me back in an hour and we can do the role play or we can speak about it. And a lot of times, I think another misconception is that phone sex isn't only about phone sex. And it's not. A lot of people just want to talk about their fetishes. So they might not necessarily be in a place where they want to go see a therapist because maybe it's not really affecting their relationships yet. So they might get to a point where they might need to go into sex therapy as a result. But some of them just want to talk about it with someone anonymous. They want to get it out. And talking about that fetish is sometimes enough for them to indulge in it. Just to acknowledge that, you know what, this is the fetish that I have. And I just want to acknowledge that, say that to someone, because that lessens their burden that they sometimes carry. Because there's so much stigma with fetishes. We hear the word fetish and we cringe. Like it already sort of has like a negative connotation. So yeah, and a lot of the men who call me call me because their partners aren't necessarily interested in what they're interested in. So they might be in very vanilla relationships, but they are interested in exploring their more dominant or more submissive sides, but they know that their girlfriends or wives might not like that. So what are some of the common ones that you hear? I'm just dying from curiosity. Um, the most common, I would say, would be cross-dressing. Huh. Very, very common. I think right now, and it's, it's interesting because it goes through like different phases. So sometimes I'll have like a month of getting so many people who are into cross-dressing calling me. And then I'll go through like a month of getting so many people who just, you know, want to be submissive. They don't necessarily have anything specific that they, that they fixate on. They just like the idea of submitting to a woman. And then I might get somebody who wants the girlfriend experience. But I think the, the most common one for me right now as a dominatrix is cross-dressing. Feminization is what we call it. So men will call and they would, you know, usually just talk about wanting to wear panties, strap on play, um, submitting to me, maybe a little bit of forced buy where they want to maybe experience what it would be like to be with a dominant man. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. this is where I want to bring in this other misconception about it is just because a man has an interest to be with a man doesn't make him gay because it's more about in this world, more about dominance and submission and nothing with sexual orientation. So the ultimate form of submitting is submitting to a dominant man. It's interesting. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, I'm just trying to make sense of that. So is it so they're calling and the role you're playing is a dominant man? No, I am playing the female who okay. makes them do it. And this is, also the, this is the interesting thing, because a lot of them don't want to admit that they have this fantasy towards another man. So by having me say, as a dominatrix, I am making you do this, it gives them permission. Wow. Yeah, fascinating. I never thought about it that way, because as you said, 
when they're coming and as when someone has fetishes or alter, alternative sexual behavior, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to come to therapy just because of that. That's their preference. So it's interesting what I see in my office most of the time that when things are not working. So it's interesting that you see when people are exploring most of the time and how would that look like? Absolutely. And sometimes they just need that little bit of guidance to say, you know what, it's okay to have this fantasy. There's nothing wrong with it. Because a lot of times because of society and the stigma about like, boys don't cry, you know, you shouldn't want to be with another man. Like a a lot of the men who call me as well are heterosexual married men with this very particular fantasy. And I find it fascinating because I realize if you think about the psychology behind it, these are usually CEOs of big companies, doctors, lawyers, people who have a lot of control in their everyday lives. And then they call me wanting to give up complete control. And then they have all these like shame and guilt feelings that go into it. So usually what starts out at the beginning of the conversation is them say, you know, being turned on because they've now called the phone sex site then we would talk about their fantasy. I would be the one saying, this is okay. I want you to do this. And then usually at the end, like when they've climaxed, there's that like, yeah, uh, okay, well, thank you very much. Have a nice day. (laughs) What an interesting shift. It's so fascinating to me because, and this has also taught me a lot about male sexuality and how men deal with sex and orgasm. And because I've noticed you know, that with with men, after they've come, they don't always want to make a chit chat. Right. They'll be like, yeah, great. Thanks. Anyway, let me go. <laughs> Good day. Like, oh, you don't, you don't want to phone cuddle with me? <laughs> <laughs> we had this moment and <laughs> that's funny. I thought we shared something, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's just fascinating stuff. And it's all, it's all to do with wanting to give up ultimate control. So the ultimate form of humiliation for a lot of men would be to be dressed up in like sissy panties and they want to be called sissies and they want to be told that they are not able to satisfy women. And it's like, it's an interesting thing because these men very much know that they most likely can satisfy a woman in real life. So it's like just a complete opposite of what they experience in their actual lives. That is so interesting because one of the favorite like psychologists I have, his name is Michael Bader, and he has this book, mm-hmm. Arousal, The Sec- Secret Logic of Sexual Fantasies. Have you heard about that? Yes, I have. And th- isn't he amazing? And he talks about surrendering and how like the duality that people are ha- experiencing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And there's an energy balance that has to occur because... Think about it. If somebody has a really, really high demanding job, like a CEO of a big company, all of that pressure builds up and builds up and builds up. And it gets to a point where it needs to go somewhere. So either it's going to go into like something in their relationship where it might cause tension, or it can go into the sexual realm where they balance it out by submitting. And that's how some of these men let it go. 
it's just fascinating to me. It's like insane. Yeah, it seems like there's so much psychology plays into it. So I'm kind of curious, what is some of the less common one that you got exposed to? Because the caveat is like most people I see like this, like their litter or food and they're coming in usually for relational or some something else. So it's not necessarily if they're not coming in for their challenges around sexuality and they're doing well, I wouldn't necessarily kind of want to change them. So, but like I see these videos online and like the things that are very interesting and I'm not sure if they're real or people putting it out there just for entertainment. So what are some of the less common ones that you got exposed to? I recently had on my podcast, I had somebody with a balloon fitted. I I saw a video on that. Actually, you read my mind because I was thinking, is that real or not? It's very real. It's a very, very real fetish. And it's called, they call themselves loonies or lunas. Oh, fun. <laughs> um, and it's really, it's interesting. And it's also a very fun fetish. But here's how I see it. I feel like it's okay to indulge in a fetish unless it hurts something or somebody else. Then it's not okay. But the problem with some of these very extreme fetishes is that Oftentimes, a partner, when they're in an intimate relationship with someone, a partner is brought into the picture as like a third entity, like the third, bad case of the third wheel. That's what I would say. Right. And what happened with one of the person that I had on the show who was speaking about his balloon fetish is his fetish had escalated. It started out with, you know, just him exploring the texture of a balloon and then one day going, oh, I wonder how that would feel on my penis or how that would. And it escalated to the point where his whole house is filled with balloons. Interesting. So he is now in a position where he can't bring anybody into his life because the fetish has taken up so much space. So in that case, that's where I would suggest somebody go and seek a therapist, sex therapy, or a sex coach, or, you know, just somebody who can sort of guide them in terms of like, how do you incorporate that into your dating life? Because I think most people, and you don't even have to be vanilla, like some other fetishists who might be into, say, for instance, leather might walk into the balloon guy's house and go, whoa, like, what is this? Do you know what I mean? So it's not even a thing of vanilla and kinky. It's just a thing of fetish, balloon fetishist versus non-balloon fetishist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so- yeah, absolutely. The fact that you have alternative sexual expression doesn't mean that you're into everything. Exactly. And a lot of people think that that is the case. Oh, let's label all kinky people and put them all in one spot, which is the most inaccurate thing you could ever do, because there are hundreds and thousands of different fetishes. So and it's interesting, because the guy who was on my show, I had somebody with a boxing fetish on my show just last week, or two weeks ago. And he actually said, you know, because I mentioned the balloon guy to him, and he went, ooh, Okay. And I was like, oh, that was an interesting reaction. <laughs> I giggling about it. And he was like, I feel so bad now, but, but that's really kind of weird. And I was like, but the balloon fetish guy thinks you kind of weird. You know, so it's just right, like, right. Like we all are kind of like looking at other people and kind of like, oh, th- that's something wrong with them. Yeah. Right. Because, and it's also a way to make us feel better about our own stuff. But so balloon fetishes is definitely one. I had a quicksand fetish, which was fascinating. Oh, I never heard about that one. 
Yeah, that was the second episode that I did. And this quicksand fetish was really intriguing because it's more a role play than anything else. So he'll call me and say, I want you to play the damsel in distress, you know, and then uh-huh. I'll be walking through the woods and I'll slip and then I'll fall into quicksand and I go, oh, no, please help me, please, sir. And then he would sit and watch me and then he decides whether or not he wants to help me. Like there is a little bit of a grim aspect to this mm-hmm. because you go, okay, well, what if this person goes under the water? Like, are you not going to save her? But bear in mind, this is a fantasy. And also it has a lot to do with the dominance and the submission thing. Like you have this maybe beautiful, like blonde bombshell who's a little bit too sure of herself, who then gets stuck in this situation. And you're like, huh, now who's, uh, who's the boss? Do you know what I mean? It's right, like it's about shifting the power. That's very interesting. Completely power. It's a power dynamic thing through and through. So it's just interesting. And if you if you Google the quicksand fetish, some amazing art will come up. You'll oh. see, uh, yeah, of people drawing the the quicksand fetish, like how it happens in their minds, and like really, really beautiful like almost anime stuff that i've come across and that's fascinating i i love the what internet did to i mean it had negative side too but what did to the sense bringing sense of community in people because you know you wouldn't know if there are people out there that there's a community for this quicksand thing absolutely and, yeah a very, very big community it was interesting when i brought out that episode i reached out to a lot of people in the quicksand community and they said oh yeah i have a very similar experience to george who was on your show and then some and that started a discussion within the quicksand community because then one of them would say oh i have a whole other experience like i'm not on board with what george wants at all and then they would start talking about their fetish and like fleshing it out and and that's their way of expressing it without it affecting their actual intimate relationships. So now they've found a community of people that they can discuss this openly with. Right. And I have the similar view with you about, you know, what I think, like, I think all sexual expressions can be beautiful, can be helpful for people, and there's no need necessarily for them to deny it. For me, the boundary is like, whether it's consensual or not, and also whether uh, it's like, harming you and other person and again not necessarily like physical harm but like the what you're experiencing yeah emotional body pain and like you're agreeing to that so consent i guess that's the important thing and the, also the child part I, I'm, I'm like you like right now in california yeah the rule is if someone said they're watching child pornography as a psychologist i have to report them not anything else there's so few things that you have to report that's one of them but yeah, other than that, I think everything else is interesting. No, absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. But consent is the most important thing in anything in life, really. And I think I just have to like bring this up. One of the amazing things of my job and going into BDSM and working as a dominatrix is really understanding the word no. And this word has taken on such a life for me now in my personal life as well. And I never thought before this, I was like, yeah, I say no, but I was pretty much a people pleaser. When people asked me to go out for lunch and I didn't feel like it, I'd be like, sure. And then I got to a point where, you know, as the more I started studying BDSM and different fetishes and kinks, I realized that consent is the foundation of everything in life. 
And it's actually seeped into my personal life where now when I don't want to do something, I just go, no, I don't have to explain myself to you. The answer is no. And I think that that's given me a level of power. And I think that that's what's so incredible about the BDSM community is if you practice it correctly and you really follow the, the rules and you're respectful of other people, it gives you a sense of confidence because it gives you permission to say no. Yeah, and I, I love that because part of that is for you to anticipate in advance what would be okay and what would not be okay. And sometimes I feel in life, we kind of we go along with things that we're not agreeing with and just we're not thinking about it. And I think just I love that I hear that often from people in BDSM community that it gave them permission, empowered them to kind of explore their options in life as well. Mm, absolutely. It's very empowering. So, yeah. So tell us something that I'm just very curious about is about like tips on how to have great phone sex. So, so interestingly enough, when I first started, I didn't know what to say because I, I had never spoken dirty in my life before. I was Interesting. actually, yes. And I had no clue like, yes, like sexting, I guess we all do it, but you know, it, this is on a whole other level. And I bought a book called, gosh, it was like 100 Examples of Dirty Talk or something like that. And it was very sort of vague. And I was like, oh, this is very cliche. And it just said like things like, oh, you're so big. or Oh, you. And it's so much more than that. Right. So if I could, I'm actually working on a workshop to teach couples how to do dirty talk. Oh, fun. Yes. I'm, I'm super excited about it. But if I could give people advice, I would say relax. That's the first thing you need to do. Relax because you're not going to enjoy phone sex unless you are not relaxed. So when I have a caller, say maybe it's his first time calling the phone sex line or phone sex line in general, you can tell by the way he responds to me that he's very nervous. So they might be like a hello. Like you can hear, like you you become very in tune with tone of voice and tonality. And um, it's interesting because with a lot of these guys, usually after like three or four phone calls, they're completely different because now they're used to me. So they've become relaxed. You have to breathe through it and then take it so slowly in terms of don't rush anything. Don't go from foreplay to orgasm in five minutes unless that's what the person wants. So you would in phone sex, because there's no visual, you would close your eyes. This is what I do. And this is why I also can't do the dishes while I have phone sex calls. I think a lot of <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of phone sex operators. Oh my gosh, I have to tell you the story. I'm sorry to like backtrack here. No. There is one male phone sex operator who I thought is so like the story is so funny. He was doing the dishes one day, like packing the dishwasher when he got a phone sex call, and this guy said something quite startling, and he dropped one of the plates. And it fell on the floor and it broke. And the guy said, oh, is that you? And it was like an action, like a BDSM. Is that you smacking yourself? Or it sounded on the phone like he was doing something that was a part of the role play. But in fact, he <laughs> and he goes, oh, yes, it is. And now he says every single time that person calls him, he has to break a plate. <laughs> now it's part of their template. Now it's part, it's part of their plate. But I thought that was really funny. But anyway, so with phone sex, because there is no visual, 
I close my eyes and I tend to focus on that person and I imagine what they would look like based on their voice. And then I would start the scene. I'd be like, you know, we're in a restaurant and there are so many candles on the table and maybe the menu has, you know, this and that and we can have some red wine. I really enjoy red wine. And then I would say, and I'm sitting you know, next to you and I'm going to slowly just move my hand up your leg and up your thigh. So everything is very in detailed. Hmm. I love that. So creative. It seems like almost you're writing a story. Yes, absolutely. It is almost, and that's why a lot of front sex operators write erotica as well and record erotica. So they, like I narrate erotic audiobooks for Amazon Audible because we have that like, it's the little, little fine details that you have to go into in order to create a scene. And not everybody's going to be into that. Some guys just literally want to hear you say dirty words. That's enough for them. But for the most part with my clients, it's all about, it's all about detail and creating a scene and being in that moment and improvising it the way you would when you're on a normal date. Right, right. Again, I can talk to you about this for hours, but I feel like I noticed that we're out of time. So let us know, Sarah, for our listeners, if they want to get on hold of you, what would be the best way of reaching you? Absolutely. So I am on Twitter at Sarah, S-A-R-A, Sweetly, at Sarah Sweetly. And then my podcast is called Must Love Fetish, and it's on iTunes and all over the web. Awesome. I'll make sure I leave a, a link to the show notes. And it's just definitely I'm gonna I would love to have you back in future because it's so wonderful. First of all, you're so well read in this area. And this is something that you feel passionate about. And it's wonderful to see people doing what what they love. Well, thank you so much. It, it was really amazing to be on your show and to, you know, break some misconceptions around phone sex. I think everyone has a homework assignment should go out tonight and lie down, relax. And maybe if you have a partner who's away for work, call him, see what happens. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Moali. I had such a great time on your show. Oh, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Sarah. And it gave you good information about sexual fetishes and also kind of demystified what some of the sex workers and phone sex operators, they do. At the end, I wanted to remind you that now you can record your questions in your website. And if it's appropriate, I will broadcast it in the show. You don't need to disclose who you are. I'm not going to contact you if you don't want me to contact you. I'm going to answer the questions. I'm going to give you an advice like if I'm giving it to many of other people I work with. All you need to tell me is your question, your age, and where are you calling from? I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.